The overarching theme in this letter to the Ephesians is one of unity. Unity between the Jew and the Gentile and unity together in Christ. Now in the first chapter, Paul has set up his audience with a masterful rhetorical argument. He first identifies himself as an apostle. He identifies his audience as saints and faithful. He reminds the hearer of the writings in this letter of what God has done how he chose, how he predestined, how he freely gave, and how he has lavished his gifts, and how he has revealed the mysteries of his will. Then Paul reminds the reader of his desire for them, which is to know God better. He reminds them of God's purpose in all of this, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth, even between the Jew and the Gentile. He informs them of the inclusive identity of the church as the body of Christ. But before he goes any further, in the second chapter, he says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. So here, Paul takes the time and actually reminds the audience of their life, their lifestyle, prior to their renewal in the Lord. And he uses the word death to describe their condition. Now in this context, death represents a separation from God. It represents being outside of right relationship with God. He tells them that they were dead in their transgressions and sins in which you used to live, he says, when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. He said that they used to live in this state, in this condition. The implication is that they had taken up residence in this state of separation, apostasy and rebellion. And they followed the dominant narrative of the world 
which is greed, power, corruption. They followed the ruler of the kingdom of the air, which is a spirit that stands antithetical to God, who opposes God in all things. The dominant narrative of this rebellion is one of non-dependence on God. It is the very voluntary rejection of God that prevents the salvation of the sinner. He reminds them that all of us, and that would mean not some of us, also lived among those who joined the ranks of the rebellious. He says we also lived them, among them at one time, gratifying our sinful nature, the cravings of our sinful nature, and following its desires and thoughts. This certainly represents the what we like to call the, the carnal life, the absence of faith and hope in Christ. But again, this audience is simply reminded of where they came from. If there was any notion of religious supremacy or righteousness over one group over the other, any notion of religious supremacy, of being more deserving of God, Paul has reminded them where they came from. For me, this speaks to us today for sometimes we look at others who are different than us. We look at them through a condescending lens of self-righteousness. We look at those who come into the church, those who are not established in church culture and tradition. Sometimes we look at them as being less than us. And we forget that God has lifted us from the very same place. And all of our lives are precious in the eyes of God. But thanks be to God. Paul then continues on, he says, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. It is important to know that God loved us before we loved him. It is important to know that we are the beloved people of God. 
and our identity is in Christ. You see, God is in the recycling business. He transforms lives. He turns the sinner to saint. He makes all things new. It's not because of our good deeds or ceremonial sacrifice or any other work that we might do. It is all because of the grace of God. Even the very faith that we have in God is a gift from God. Paul, in bringing clarity to this identity in Christ, he says, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I believe that we are a work of art in the hands of God, created for his glory, created to represent God in this earth. We are created to be the reflection of the image of God, the Imago Dei. We are created to be a reflection of the Trinity, the Imago Trinitas, the community and unity within the Holy Trinity. Paul writes, therefore remember that formally, you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship. He goes on to describe it as without hope and without God in the world. My question for us today is, can you imagine how it feels to be without hope and without God? Can you imagine how people who are excluded from the faith community, by the faith community, or by their own choice, can you imagine how they feel in their isolation from community? Even during this pandemic that we are currently experiencing, there's a rise in suicide attempts, drug overdoses, domestic violence, and other tragic manifestations of depression, self-hatred, and self-condemnation. So beloved, the church, the people of faith, the saints of God should never ever be the one to exclude people that God loves from the faith community. People may be different from us, but they are not to be excluded, to feel, to be made to feel that God somehow doesn't love them that God somehow favors us over them. 
No, this is not God's will for the church. Paul gives a, a note of assurance by saying this, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, he's talking about the Gentiles, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The Gentile and the Jew were reconciled together as being the body of Christ. This dividing wall of hostility is removed in Jesus. But yet, this dividing wall of hostility remains with us. Where the Bible says that one new man was made out of the two, thus making peace. There are many of us today who overlook this passage and hold on to religious supremacist ideologies, claiming to be favored by God over someone else. I declare to you today that we are the beloved people of God. And none of us are more deserving of the love of God than anyone else. Certainly not according to skin color or social class or political affiliation. No, we are the beloved people of God. Paul closes out this second chapter with a, a proclamation of inclusion. He says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. We are the body of Christ. We are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. If we waste our time claiming to be better than someone else, different than us. We are actually fighting against the will and purpose of God for our lives. Unity in the community is the will of God. Let us remember that.